Think. Question. Engage. Ready. Aim. For. The Stoic Archer Podcast. Welcome to episode 5 of the Stoic Archer Podcast. Um, first of all, we have an official sponsor now. Um, UC Fit in Lucan is our new HQ. So big thanks to John. Yeah, shout out to John. And UC Fit, where you can come in and get fight fit without getting hit. So um, martial arts style training, but very much based around the community and um, just some fun, high intensity sessions. Uh, a bit of strength work, a bit of fitness work. So John's doing a great job here. So if you're looking for something like that, give him a shout. We put the link in the description uh, when we launched the episode. So looking forward to that. Um, what we're more looking forward to though is a long overdue episode with uh, Miss Kira O'Connor. So she's here to join us for episode five. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, delighted to have you. So who the Jesus are you? <laughs> now I know you obviously from Westside. We yes, we met I uh, just after the the lockdown, and uh, you were just starting out as a as a PT, right? Yes, I was. Okay, so there's my <laughs> intro to you. Now you do an intro to you. <laughs> oh, I hate this question. Um, I'm Kira O'Connor. I'm an online coach. I obviously met Stephen in Westside when I first decided to try out personal training, and he was the one who took me under his wing and helped me out. Um, so that's where most of my knowledge comes from, is a lot of from Stephen. Um but yeah, that's pretty much about me as in like what I'm doing right now. But yeah, I'm just your average Joe who... <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that now. Because I, I don't waste my time with average Joes, giving them advice. Yes, or, you know, spending time with them. Like, clearly there was some reason that I I saw that, you know. So uh, you're not in Westwood anymore. You're not PTing anymore, but you're an online coach. So how did you, or why did you make the, the jump to there? Um... Well, I suppose I started on, on online coaching first because I just wanted to get my foot in the door. And mm-hmm. COVID had just hit, so there was no option to, let's say, actually train someone on the floor. Mm-hmm. Whereas that was always where I saw myself and I thought my career was going to be on the floor. Um, but then COVID hit, so I was like, okay, well, I need to get moving. So I'll, um, I need to get moving, sorry. So I'll just start online and then I'll transfer into PT once COVID has finished. So that's when I obviously was joining. I joined Westside first, and then I was like, will I, won't I, PT? Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually seen you. I think it was you who actually convinced me to PT in Westside. Um, more so, it was a good environment to train in. I really, really liked the environment. But then I think when I seen how you coached um, and just how you worked with people in general, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to ask for some advice. Because like, I could talk to a camera like, that's obviously my job now is talking yeah. to the camera all day long. But like, you remember me when I first came up to you, I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do if somebody's standing in front of me. Like mm-hmm. I could coach all day on li- online. Obviously it's it's a little bit different in person, but yeah. Um, yeah, so that was obviously seeing you, came up to you, asked you for the advice of obviously transferring into PT on the floor. Um, what made me make the jump then back to online coaching from PT? I enjoyed PT, but I think it was just a time of my life that it didn't suit. Mm. So, like, I felt like I had got good amount, of, like a, a decent amount of experience. Sorry, that's the word to use. A decent amount of experience, um, and from obviously, I felt like I shadowed you a little bit. 
just to kind of see how you worked with people and then obviously seeing how everybody else in the gym worked with people and then working mm-hmm. with my own clients. But then it got to the point where I was like going back to college, still had it online and it was like, okay, like which weighing both of them up, which do you want to give more of your time to? And that's what it, come, it came down to. It was just time. Um, and it's, it's a weird one because I think I like online coaching one-to-one a lot better than I did one-to-one in person. Yeah. Like I found it very draining. But it that's is, not yeah. to say the Can people be. are like, it, no one's bad. It's just like getting up at like half five in the morning. I felt like I was giving my energy to people yeah. who like, I, I couldn't give that amount of energy if that makes sense. And I yeah, just no, felt... it is. It's very, uh, although it's something that we, we love to do and we get a lot of joy from, there are days when you you go home and you're just absolutely, yeah. like, exhausted. Not from physical work, but from the attention that you want to give people. You want to give them everything that you have. Mm-hmm. but and, and you take some of their stuff on, which is part of the job. Yeah, I've said this before on the podcast. I don't care if you think, as a PT, you shouldn't be crossing that line. Um, of like quote unquote therapist or you know listening to people's problems but it absolutely is part of the job and that mm-hmm. does drain you you know um, but not it doesn't drain you uh, to the point where you're like Jesus Christ will they ever <laughs> yeah. leave me alone It I actually and you I assume as well I take a lot of pride in that people are open with me like that yeah and uh, yeah I think you do as well and that's why maybe you resonated probably towards mm-hmm. me and wanted yes. to find out a bit more about it so yeah um okay so you're online now you're in college what are you doing in college i'm doing business and economics and social studies right so you're busy yeah very very busy very busy yes um how long have you got left in that i am actually just going into my third year now and um, okay. it's actually a funny thing i've no like i've probably about one friend and i'm three years in college but <laughs> that's because the majority of it has been spent online okay the covid <laughs> So you have no friends going in and you're like the awkward one in the class. You're like, but I'm okay with that, which yeah. is a, definitely a big step for me, I suppose, over the last couple of years of being okay with going in and not having someone to run to or someone like right. to sit beside, let's say. Yeah, yeah. That's mad. That's mad. The dynamics have changed so much from... Yeah, COVID, I never thought about that. I never thought about it, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. College life. Has and that probably been. helps then with your online coaching that it's it's a very normal thing to speak to people through a screen where i definitely don't think mm. i would do well with that uh mm. not that there's nothing wrong with it just no. i'm not practiced at it yeah and i think i would find it very unusual even like yeah. s- like facetime and stuff when people are on the phone like don't don't give don't give me the phone don't give me the phone I don't want to talk. <laughs> it's weird. It's like funny, isn't it? And yeah. I think as well, generations though, like I think it's obviously for me, it's the norm. Mm-hmm. And like I said, obviously I went into online force. So PT was more daunting to me than it was like yeah. for doing online. Whereas you're the complete opposite. Yeah. yeah. Just on that. Did, did you grow up FaceTime and your friends and constantly like well, in front of the camera? And- yeah. I suppose when you hit like secondary now, I didn't have what some of the kids have now where it's like, ipads when you're four or anything like that it wasn't like that but by the time i had hit secondary school so you're talking 14 15 phones were it yeah 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 see even even when we when i was that age i'm probably a bit older than you definitely a bit older than you (laughs) Uh, but at that age like we had phones but like 
you had a flip up Samsung or something, you know what I mean, taking a fucking six megapixel picture or something. So, yeah, I'd say that's actually like an advantage for you that you kind of would have been used to being in front of the camera more than we would have kind of, not that I ever need to be, but um, Um, it's mad to think. How has your, like with technology and stuff and the, the pandemic really pushed people into new territories, did that change things for you on the online side of things, like new innovations or new ways of doing things that you had to adapt to? Um, yeah, well, when I first started, it was funny. I was, like, calling people and, like, doing workouts with them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And people still do that, which is fantastic. Some people like that. But, like, for me, that was, like, I suppose how, you know, like, when you don't have a client base and you're, you, like, you either give free, like, you've heard PP, PT, sorry, giving free sessions or, you know, like, giving tips to people on the floor. For Whereas for me, it was, like, giving phone sessions you know mm-hmm. you'd be like okay if you sign up with me you're getting like a session over the phone um so that was kind of online but it didn't not that it had like new innovations I suppose there's a lot of stuff that have come out of Woodworks like I think you're you're using it at the moment like True Coach and stuff which is a really really nice app yeah it's really good super like user friendly yeah um real slick real professional yes yeah we could do some sponsors also True Coach yeah True Coach <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i don't think there was major um innovation well i think that was a big uh shift or if it wasn't it should have been for a lot of coaches to shift to a a software like that where beforehand i've even i've bought i've bought programs over those lockdowns and they were like excel spreadsheets and i couldn't understand why i was paying these top coaches and all I was getting was an Excel spreadsheet where I was giving my clients really professional you know services through Mm -hmm. an app that I was paying for for a subscription and they were getting like a really top-notch service um so I think if if you if you're not on that sort of if you haven't moved away from there yeah and you're still based online I think maybe it's uh it's something that people should look into because it's a very very useful thing and it's what people expect now people Mm. expect a good professional looking service that you're paying yeah you're paying your money for it yeah exactly so it's being being the, underwhelmed yeah is one of the worst things like, i'll never buy a program off those coaches again now no matter how much they market to me i'm like no yeah it doesn't like you didn't give me what i paid for mm-hmm. you know especially if you're paying like obviously like a decent price like now in fairness when i started i was i was the excel i was the because that was like so when i started online i was how would you say like a bit like what you done for me it was like trained in by the coach that I was with at that period in time mm-hmm. but he would have been like let's say your photo shoot your bodybuilding coach right so like if you're doing shows he's your man but yeah. he would have given me excel sheets to work off and like an excel sheet to fill out my check-in and stuff so that was kind of how online back what two three years ago yeah, was yeah. but then I started with that and I just found that obviously my client base isn't photo shoot isn't bodybuilding isn't anything like that so I found when I was given these excel sheets my clients hadn't a clue what was going on like some of them were beginners and there I am in like the notes section being like yeah just pretend like you're sitting on a chair for a squat you know like simple little trying to tell them how to do something okay so you're trying to write down in words like how to do the exercise instead of having a a, a video Mm -hmm. yeah see that's it's huge you know yeah and like I said if you're not looking into that now after the last two years of these innovations and these shifts, I think you're missing a beat. So who are your clients if they're not bodybuilding or physique 
people? Um, I'm going to say people who just want to, I suppose, work on a lifestyle change. Now it has shifted to, I'd more than likely say, repairing your relationship with food. And if it hasn't shifted, that's where I'm going mm-hmm. with it. Um, just because of that's what I've experienced. And it's, it's passionate and it's where there's passion, it just flows nicely and you're able to... I suppose those people just gravitate towards you. So that's yeah, yeah. where I'm hoping to go um, if I haven't already. But yeah, just mainly people who want to, I suppose, improve their relationship with food, their body, and just overall their lifestyle. Mm. Um, and you are you have your own podcast just recently launched, and I that's do. what that's about, right? Yes, that's okay. all. So well, tell, tell me a bit about that. What, yeah, give what, us the name what was, for us. Plug it. Shameless plug there. What's <laughs> <laughs> the name of it? <laughs> it's called The Way Out Podcast, just the in case you want to listen. Right, let me, the Way Out Podcast. That's gone in the notes as well, so... I'm, I'm playing dumb, but I actually listened today, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it as well. I, I'd uh, recommend anyone that's uh, interested in relationship with food should definitely give it a listen, 100%. Okay, so why that? The Way Out, that name? Yeah. Um, well, why, why the podcast first? Why the podcast? Um, Instagram has become a place where you don't get, let's say, you won't reach the amount of people that you want to reach when you're trying to have a conversation through the phone. So if I go onto my stories now and I upload 10 stories, mm-hmm. as each story goes, the views get lower and lower and lower because somehow Instagram isn't pushing that type of stuff, whereas in COVID it was. So I could chat away for days right. and people would listen because they had nothing else to do. Um, and over the last year, I've been saying to myself, okay, I think I'll start a podcast. No, I won't. Yes, I will. No, I won't. And just back and forth in my own head. And to be honest, I had the time to do it. So I was like, let's just do it because if I don't do it now, I'm missing something. I'm like, I'm, I'm potentially missing the greatest opportunity ever. We don't, I don't know for sure if it's going to be a great opportunity, but as long as I'm getting the knowledge that I have out there and helping at least one person, yeah. then I'm, I'm doing a good job. I think that's, a, that's probably the best aim for anyone is if I just get one person. Mm-hmm then surely that one person will lead to 10 and then yes. 10 to 100 and so on. But um, authenticity, like what you said there, it's something that you're very close to and passionate about. Yes. Um, I don't know if, if you, well, people will hear it on your own, uh, your own podcast, but mm-hmm. you have a background in personally dealing with like a, a, an, an eating issue and, mm-hmm. and body issues like that. Yes. So would you mind just giving a quick... Well, it can be a quick, it can be a long discussion if you want, but as yeah. much as you want, if you just give us a little background on what your journey has been in, in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it probably would have started when I was like 16, so I'm just to give you an age, um, I'm now 21. Um, but So when I would have been 16, I kind of just battled with, it wasn't really food, it was more so just body image. Like When you're that age, you don't really care about food, you just eat whatever, whatever you're giving, you eat. Um, so I more so battled with my body image and the friend group I was in, nothing against the friends. I still have these friends, but it was more so my insecurities and feeling like the, I'm going to say, quote unquote, the fat friend. Um, probably not the best term to use, but yeah. Um, so I felt like the fat friend and that led me then to the gym. Sorry, where, where are you overweight? were you overweight no okay no like not at all 
only had like a little bit of weight on me it wasn't actually anything major it was more so when you're growing up with really good looking friends let's say I felt like let's say when the lads are coming over to talk to you it was always like I'm just like the friend does that make sense they're just talking yeah. to me to get yeah. to them yeah so they were just talking to like my friends and sorry I need to take a moment yeah take your time It's heavy. You're fine. It's no, heavy. it is. No, yeah, I, I can it's, edit it out. It's no problem. But like, it's heavy stuff. It is heavy, and I can I can genuinely relate to exactly what you're saying. Like, I, I've gone through it as well, um, and I think given your age, like this is blowing smoke before you've even told your story. But given your age and all, and how far you seem to have come, like, yeah, you've nothing to be um, hold back about. I think it's it's a brilliant <laughs> message to get out. Like, you know. Um. So, yeah. So I would have been. I would have just felt like the bigger friend of the, of the group basically so that was like okay I want to change that let's get to the gym didn't know much about the gym like never been to it before um I'd say the most I'd done was classes mm. um like a typical boot camp sort of yes. circuit kind of stuff yeah um what gym did you go to Ben Dunn West, uh, West Point. Yes, it was West Point. Um, I think we were all on West Point at one stage. Yeah, we were. Fucking hated <laughs> yes. the place. You worked there, dive. didn't you? Uh, I did a few shifts there. I worked mainly in the one in Santry, but I crossed over the odd time. Okay. That's actually where I, I, put, I would have crossed paths with Rob Flanagan when he was making his Rob. his name. Yes. Um, Rob Flanagan, obviously that's where you train now, and Rob's CrossFit gym, which we'll get onto in a little while. But yeah, I met lots of good people there, and I'm sure you did as well. And uh Okay, so you're so in West yeah, Point, you're sorry, in Bend on there. Take your time. Um, I, it's like my words keep getting caught. <laughs> um, usually I'm not nervous to talk. I don't know why I'm nervous. but Well, it's fucking... It's it's really uh, hard to be open and put yourself out there and be mm. vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially today when people have these weapons of sitting behind the screen and talking shit. <laughs> so, you know, it's totally normal to... Like, you're laying your whole... Yeah. vulnerability out on the line here so take your time say what you want to say leave mm-hmm. out things that you don't want to talk about that's fine I'm not going to yeah, you know pull at it but the message that you want to get out is really what I'm after like the message yeah. that you want to give to maybe people listening who might be struggling with the same struggle mm-hmm. um, so yeah I would have went into the gym just done cardio didn't know much about weights just wasn't my forte and that was like back then that was the thing to do was just go in, do cardio for women in any way. So yeah. I know a lot of women will relate to that, is that they're afraid to lift weights. They just want to do cardio. Um, yeah, they just want to, sorry, they just want to do cardio and necessarily just eat nothing. Mm-hmm. So just kind of starve yourself or just have like one or two meals a day. And that was kind of what I'd done. But like I didn't see much changes in myself when I was doing, like I would have done cardio for like two hours a day. And, like, wow. wouldn't have thought about it. Like, I remember going to Westside as well at one point and was, like... Or not West Point, sorry. I went over to Westside. And this was when, like, they only had, like, the first little bit of a floor. So, like, all oh, the yeah. carrier machines were upstairs. So, I would have stood on... Like, would have went on the Stairmaster for, like, two hours. Wow. And, like, wouldn't have batted an eyelid. Like, that was That normal. was a normal thing, a yeah. standard thing every yeah. day. Standard thing every single day. But because my food was still all over the place it just it didn't matter Mm -hmm. so like 
you can try and outrun a bad diet as much as you want, but you won't. So I didn't understand much about food. So I started to kind of consider my food and started doing like, you know, those like crazy challenges. Like back then it was like, okay, no fizzy drinks, no chips, no something else, whatever. I'm still trying to do it. I'm still trying to do it. (laughs) For 21 days, like, and I'd stick to it. And when I stuck to it, you'd actually start to see a little bit of changes. So that's kind of what was like, okay, maybe food actually matters here. Um, so I started getting into my food a little bit more and just stopped eating kind of anything that I'd consider bad. Like where we learn the word bad from, I don't know. And where we decide that, well, I suppose in school you do, you decide that there's Yeah, well, that's context. So yeah. I mean, like I know what people mean. They mean well. When, you know, someone that advocates for body positivity, let's say, or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they say, oh, there's no such thing as bad food. I know what they mean. Yes. What, what they mean is don't feel like you're an asshole because you had a Mars bar. Mm-hmm. But you inherently know that a Mars bar is not the, the healthiest choice if you want to actually live, you know, a healthy lifestyle and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe lose a few pounds. You can't be Mars bars. So, yeah, if you don't want to use the word bad food, use the word less optimal, let's say, yes. like that, you know. But you can say bad mm-hmm. if it's in context of, okay, I want to lose weight. Okay, well, then this food is bad for that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not, this is bad food, so you are bad. Yeah. I think that's the problem people have with it. Yes. They have a hard time differentiating it. But, I mean, if you had told me this a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have been, like, able to understand that because you're, you are, in a sense, taught this is what you should have maybe once a week and this is what you should be in most of the day, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, it was like, okay, well, let's just cut out everything that is quote unquote bad. Um, and like, that is essentially where I see most of my progress. So like right. cut out takeaways, cut out like chocolate, anything that was bad, basically. Cut all that out. And it was like, I gradually kept doing cardio, didn't really see the weight loss and... Then all of a sudden I woke up one morning and I was like, wow, you look different. And it was like overnight I had just become ripped without seeing it happen. Okay. Um, But I loved it, you know, because I was coming from a background of like, I suppose, not loving yourself. Um, so feeling like you weren't worth yeah people paying attention to exactly. you saying nice things about you mm-hmm. like I wasn't worth any of the attention that let's say my friends would have got okay you know and it's also not just obviously growing up but probably your family life pays my pays um well, it definitely contributes sh- yeah surely. contributes like, yeah, to that the environment is everything yeah so like if you're not taught that growing up if you're not taught how to love yourself if you're not taught all these things like it's very easy to fall into those traps yeah um so yeah I loved that I was like this is great this is all I ever wanted um and I thought with it more people would I suppose love me okay now don't get me wrong I got more attention but at the same time I also didn't it was like I had just got ripped and everybody was like, Jesus, you're too skinny. I'm like, well, at one stage I needed to lose weight. So like, what do you want from me? The people, would people have said that to you? Yeah. That you need to lose weight? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, sorry, no, it wouldn't have been you need to lose weight. You know, like when you're when you're growing up and your friends, like the first word they say to you is like, oh, you're fat. Like as in slagging. <laughs> yeah. But I was always in the back All of my right. head, that's the first slagging you went to. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> like you could have just said something else, but you know, so that was an insecurity in me and that insecurity had to keep coming back up. Now it came up for a reason, I believe, and anyways, because I obviously had to go through all that. Um, but when I got there, I was like, yeah, I love this. Like, got more attention, but then not all the attention was great. Okay. Does so that make some sense? of it was like, you're, you're too skinny. Yeah. Okay. So like, you're too skinny, maybe you should put on a bit, like more weight or you've lost everything. Okay, um, so all just all the work you did, you cut out food, you did two hours of Stairmaster, <laughs> you changed, you, you, you uprooted your social life. Yes. And it was like, you got nothing for it. No. You, that's what you felt like. Yeah. Okay. But so now you're like completely, it's, it sounds to me, if that was me, I'd be lost. I'd be like, okay, what, what, the, what can I do now? What can I do now? Like, what yeah. else can I do for you if this exactly. isn't enough for you? That's what I mean, though. It's, it's chasing, I suppose, external validation. Mm-hmm. When I should have just been giving it to myself. Okay, here we go. Yeah, this so is this is the big the, one. Yep. This is this, there's this this could this is the first philosophy I think of of the of the evening. Um, yeah, you were chasing validation from other people when what you really needed was your own validation. Yeah, but that's not easy for a sixteen, seventeen year old kid to no comprehend for like, even an adult to comprehend. Yeah. You know, so. There's obviously a lot of work that you did then to get from there to where you are now. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, you wouldn't you wouldn't recognise that. And I think even adults these days would go into the gym and would do exactly what I've just done, but wouldn't realise that they're probably just doing it for validation from other people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that they probably need to give that to themselves. But yeah, I would have done a lot of work, so... Um, where did I go from there? I, I actually stayed like that for a, a long time. Um, I didn't like, it was like, I didn't want to change because it was, again, it wasn't just about self-love. It was like control. I was just thinking that yeah, mm-hmm. you, you were able to control that thing. Yeah. So and it was fantastic. Would you say that was not to put words or thoughts <laughs> in, into your own mind, but would you say that was, that's why maybe people tend to do that to the extremes because it's like the only thing they have control over yeah absolutely funny enough i'm actually doing um a talk i'm practicing sorry i have a talk next week that's all about this it's like helplessness and why it leads to eating disorders i think that's why my my um my nerves are gone because i'm so scared for this talk because i'm (laughs) like oh my god i'm gonna get up there in front of the audience and bottle it um but it's all about control and Although good and bad foods plays a part, it's not the biggest part. And it's mostly probably just control. And if you have a chaotic life or you have a home life or you're unhappy or not satisfied in your life or your job or whatever it is, like people find food and they find the gym and then they find control in their body image and food. Mm-hmm gives them that purpose that they need that right. they don't find anywhere else in the so life. in all the chaos this is the one thing that has order and you're like yeah i'm not letting go of this no i don't not care what people are saying <laughs> i don't care 
X, Y, and Z. And yeah. I have con- I have two hands on this, and I'm I can't afford to let go. Because yeah. what if I let go and I end up in a bleeding hurricane, and I can't get out of it again? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I've, I've never struggled with that, so I don't know what this yeah. is like. Thank- thankfully, but it's it it's really important that people like you are are having these conversations now. Because yeah. it's easy for me to say, like I've been, you know, fit or somewhat healthy all my life. I've been active all my life since I was a kid. I never really had trouble with my body image or anything like that so it's really good for me to hear people's stories especially when I'm working with the public like that yeah so I can somewhat relate or have some sort of information or background on mm-hmm. what they might be going through because if I've never gone through it how can I tell them what yeah to do, you know? what to do um oh you sparked a thought there and I can't I can't remember <laughs> it now um it'll come back yeah, I think it was just down the route of control and I and suppose, gra- yeah, and grabbing it with two hands and not wanting to let go because my whole persona then was this lean person. So not only do you have the like great control over it or you feel like you've purpose or control or whatever it is that you feel, mm. it's then you also have everybody known you as the person who has lost It's your weight. identity. Yeah, it's my identity. Like I didn't know life anymore without being known as oh yeah you're super lean or you're super motivated or you go to the gym all the time so for that to even be remotely I suppose threatened I couldn't handle it yeah so like even like if you're that restrictive like it's it's bound to rebound at some point whether it doesn't matter like I held on to it probably for a year maybe a year and a half but it's like a ticking time bomb. It's eventually going to go the other way. Mm. Um, it's like anything. It just has to balance itself out. And then it started to go the other way. So it started to, like, a loss of control. Like, be simple little things. Like, my friends could literally, like, we'd have, they'd be like, okay, you want to get a takeaway? And I'd be like, no, you just go ahead. But they'd leave food. And when they were gone, I would just eat it. Because I restricted myself so much that I couldn't control myself. Right. So I couldn't, like, they were gone, obviously, so I'd never do it in front of anyone because you're embarrassed, you're ashamed, you're feeling all of the feelings, but you'd then, you'd then binge on it because it was like, oh, they're gone, you can eat it now, no one sees it, only you. Well. But then you'd get up and you'd punish yourself the next day, but just, I'd go probably for a 10k run to, quote-unquote, burn off it. the calories, earn it, yeah. Okay. Um... I had a thought there and now it's gone for me as well. Now. Um, I hate when that happens. No, it'll come back though. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's tough to be in that like loop mm. of... Oh yeah, so willpower. Yes. You went a year and a half on willpower basically then. I'm going to say pure willpower but routine. Okay. Like if we look at most of the bodybuilders' photo shoots... There's nothing else, and there's no digs being thrown here, but there's nothing else going on in their life. Their routine is everything. They okay. can't change it because if they change it, they risk, I suppose, the loss of control. Okay. Now, I'm not saying everybody bodybuilder because some people just genuinely actually love it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking about people who are feeling guilty for say missing a meal okay, at yeah, four yeah. o'clock 
freaking out. Yeah, freaking out. Yeah. You know, those people can't miss a meal. So everything has to, like, their routine is perfect. And my routine was perfect. Right. There was nothing, like, getting in the way. I didn't really have, like, had friends, but I didn't have a social life. Like, I just say no to everything. Okay. So you have your routine and you have your restrictions and you know what they are and you know kind of what you're aiming at. Mm-hmm. But is it still a case of there's still this huge like craving and desire to eat those things, but you're just saying no? Or was it like you, they, they weren't even, you know, on the table? No pun intended. Um, I'm going to say probably at the start it was just they weren't on the table. Yeah. And it was fine not having them. Right. But you let yourself have them again and the cravings come back. So, like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know, breaking breaking your willpower or whatever we want to call it. I don't even know if I'd call it willpower or discipline. Mm-hmm. I'd just call it obsession. And, you know, like, it wasn't worth to me to sacrifice, let's say, 100 calls for a bar or over a banana or something right that wasn't worth it to me and it also wasn't worth it to me because i thought that one of those foods had ruined everything okay so like the punishment in my own head wasn't worth having it well so you 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 looked ahead of time and said if i eat this i'm gonna have to go another two hours on the stairmaster yeah right so so there was some sort of conscious effort to stay away from those quote unquote mm-hmm. bad foods, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's probably one of the biggest issues that I've kind of been coming across since I started. Is people think that oh, you've, you've such good like they say to me, you've great willpower. No, I don't. Like, mm. okay, yeah, sometimes most of the time I eat quite well. I train four five days a week, but it's mm-hmm. not willpower. No. It's not discipline. Mm-hmm. Maybe at the start it is for some people. It's it starts as discipline. So right now I'm just gonna I'm gonna commit to a month. Yeah. And I'm gonna do three days a week and see where I am after that. That then snowballs, whatever. But after a year of that, if you can maintain that, I don't think anybody is disciplined anymore. I think it's something that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn for some people, but I think at least they, the majority of people, let's just say, yeah, I think. It's it's a misconception to say if it's a, if it's a lifestyle that you're looking at, someone's mm-hmm. doing this like me or you or you're, you're into it now, Aaron. Um, that what was started as a, a difficult habit to start rolling a year in, two years in, it's not discipline, it's not willpower. It's just no. I like to I like to do this. I found my pattern. Yeah. But what you're talking about is. Even after a year, mm-hmm. you're still fighting to keep these things, you know, in check. And that can't be, as you said, it's not sustainable. No, like, I suppose not at all. Um, I think, though, when I, like, when I would have first started, it was like, it was like it was okay to not have those things, if that makes sense. So, like, the opposite effect of what you were talking about. So, for me, it felt like, like, I don't remember those ever phasing me. It was like it just got to a point then where it was like, more so if I had them, 
it's a vicious cycle. So if you have it once, you feel like you've ruined everything. But then mm-hmm. you punish yourself. But the punishment makes you go and do it again. Right. Which is weird because you know you're going to be punished. So when you say punishment, you mean like self-punishment as in putting yourself through the cardio and... Yeah, sorry. Like that's yeah. a very grim word to use. <laughs> no, and, no, no, no. Um, but it's sure. accurate. But yeah, more so like cardio or... It was just more like draining than anything else to constantly go back and forth in your head of like, oh, this is bad. You've ruined all your progress. Okay, go out and run now. Okay. Or let's do more cardio. Right. Something like that. Ghost. Yeah, I'm starting to get a clearer picture now. I'm starting to get an understanding of what you're you're talking about now. Because um, we, we were having a, a brief conversation before mm. um, about this idea of good and bad foods. And I was saying I'd much rather not even know about bad foods, like not even know about chocolate or ice cream or pizza. Yes. I'd much rather live in a universe where they don't exist, even though I'm, like, I know how good they taste. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Pizza, man. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> but they do. No, I know. So we live in a universe that they do, and they do exist. But I would rather not have them. I would rather not even want them. Yeah. I would much rather that than ha- than even to be able to control it to once a month. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather them not even be an issue. Because I, I think for longevity as in to live as long as possible mm-hmm. and as healthily as possible yeah it would be better that they weren't part of your life at all but <laughs> then you have the the type of thing that you're talking about where super restrictive when you know that what the thing tastes like and you know what it is mm-hmm. it's not practical to constantly leave it in front of you because we yeah. live in a universe where it's always in front of us yeah and constantly restrict yourself yeah that's what i mean i don't think we have like i suppose in an ideal world i think most of us would probably choose not to have it in our universe at all but considering that we know about it we can never you can never imagine that life Mm. because it's here we know about it we've tasted it before um but yeah to like see it depends where you're coming from because now i'm at a stage where it's like i make choices based on my health so I know realistically, right, for my health and for my digestive system most of all and training purposes that it's not great to have, do- let's say, dominoes every night. Yeah. So I'm going to make that based on my value of health. So I value my health. I'm not going to have dominoes every single night. But that's where you'd like, that's ideally where I'd like to even get most of my clients to is like a place of like, they know they can have those things, but they choose not to. But not based on restriction. Not it's based a on. Of yeah, it's just based on like or how you're gonna yeah. feel, like not emotionally but physically. Your yeah. stomach's upset. Maybe even like your brain has like your brain fog the next day. Yes. Okay. That, yeah, I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would be a good place for people to be. I think to to to, to restrict foods that we call bad mm-hmm. for those reasons. Because yeah. these foods do not serve me in my life because I like to train and I like to go to work and my brain is clear. And I like yeah. to talk on a podcast and I forget what I was going to say. Um, is that a slight dig at me? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I love a good pizza. Did you have a pizza before you came here? It's <laughs> used to forgetting things tonight, not me. Um, but yeah, I think there are better value systems to, to teach people. Yeah, I think if you teach people more so 
their values and what feels good for them and give people to make that make that choice for themselves like I shouldn't be telling any of my clients what they can and can't eat because mm-hmm. I'm not their mom they're a grown adult they should make those decisions for themselves if I take that away from them I'm gonna say if like what do you, like what what choices are you making for yourself if you're not even allowed have something because someone told you you can't have it you're only going to want it more that's interesting and I I would agree with that like I never thought about it in in that context mm. but even like say for training like a lot of what I do what I aim for with my uh, students is what I'm trying to call them now because I should be teaching them yes and one of the things I want to teach them is to have autonomy in their training that they don't need me eventually to stand there beside them mm-hmm. and in fairness most of them I'm very proud of because they're making that transition now where they're even meeting up themselves so I might have two or three clients that train together with yeah. me and now they're training without me some days and then they come back to me and train with me other days but they have skills now that they can transfer to their life but if I if I didn't give them tools mm-hmm. To, to take that initiative themselves, I would just constantly be, they would need me all the time to yeah. make that call for them. So I think that's a really good, uh, like foundation for you to build your service on in, in, in that mm-hmm. kind of lens through food. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a great way to have it obviously with, with training as well. Like I think that was actually the word, it was autonomy that I was looking for. Yeah. Um, word of the day, autonomy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think people should have, should make those decisions for themselves because it's quite empowering, mm-hmm. you know, when someone doesn't feel like they're being spoken to like a child, yeah. you know, and they have the authority to make that for themselves. Yeah, well, that's a, a, a huge part of it is that they don't think they're able to. Yeah. They can't trust themselves to make a call. So mm-hmm. you give it to them. You give yes. them the trust or you give them the tools to, to say, no, you can make this decision. And you're going to get it wrong sometimes. Yeah. But that's what I'm here for. I'm not here to tell you like slap it on the wrist and say what the fuck yeah what you get that wrong for yeah it's exactly. only before yeah you know and i think my coaching is pretty similar to what you just said even though you've said it about training mine is probably just in the sense like in six months time like my business runs off yes people coming to me but i you shouldn't need me in six months time yeah like you should have everything you need if you want to stay on that's fine if you want to still learn and yeah, grow and whatever yeah. yeah like you value it so you'll stay but I just think most of them should be comfortable enough and, I don't know, feel empowered in themselves to be able to go off and do it themselves. Mm. Um, what, so uh, what do you think about that, Aaron? Because you're like outside of this industry, so we obviously yeah, know so what on our that, side. Yeah, the one thing that really stuck out to me is kind of, I never thought of, say, PTs or coaches or whatever, I never really thought of them as teachers. Mm. You think of it as a coach when you're outside, you think of it as... And a coach in a sense of, I've always seen a coach as someone just telling you what to do. Yeah. But the way you are talking about being able to kind of teach people and, and give them the information to empower them, as you say, to be able to make the right choices. I never thought of it like that. And yeah. seeing it like that now and seeing the way you are kind of, in my eyes, outliers in like the industry. I'm sure there's other people that are doing the same thing, but... I never perceived it that way and it's actually really interesting to hear it that way and I think it's it's an admirable way to uh, to go about your business. Yeah. Now, um, I'm not saying 
I, I have it right. Like the, there are people out there who do want coaches. They want people oh, 100%, for life 100%. to stand beside them and tell but, them, yeah, that's two reps, yeah, that's three. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. If that's what you want, you pay someone to and do that. Some people need the motivation as well. Some yeah, people need that. Like. Absolutely fine. But another thing that I think is really stood out to me there as well is like what you're saying, like your clients, these clients are... are you know, working out together and they, they have the information and, and the tools to be able to work out. And students. Students, sorry, mm-hmm. students. <laughs> and uh, Kira's students, she's saying they shouldn't need her in six months. Like, that's admirable because you, you have like a, you want to share something to be able to, to build someone up and, and help them grow to a point that they don't even actually need your service anymore. I mean, able to admit that you're not, you're not yeah. just trying to fucking milk a cash cow, do you know what I mean? You're actually caring for people. Yeah. I've seen it with Steve firsthand in the gym with, with some of the students you have now and, and the things you're doing. It, it's just yeah. so admirable. So, like, the more that that industry can go that way, and I think the better. But like you say, there's always room for a, a coach to be fucking shouting at you. And well, the analogy, too, so, like, someone made a great analogy because I was kind of real passionate about this a couple of years ago. And I was saying, oh, look, everybody should be, you know, client retention shouldn't be a thing. You shouldn't be trying to retain clients. And he said, hold on. Said, if your car is fucked up, do you go to the mechanic and go, Here, can you fix that? Yeah. Well, show me how you do it so I can do it the next time. You don't do that. Yeah. You bring a car back to him because well, he knows. To be fair, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I just go and fix it myself. Yeah. I know what they're saying. You know, like, yeah. like, that kind of speaks to what we're saying is that different people are different. There's right, going to be people yeah, who won't I mean, learn yeah. what to do to fix the car. Yeah. So yeah. If, you, if you want to learn how to be, you know, take control of yourself, then. You know, you need to find a teacher, not a coach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you want someone to take control of it for you, that you don't need brain space for it, that you're just told what to do because you have a high stress job and you have a family and you don't need to take on more. Yeah, that's fine as well. Yeah, but understanding, like I definitely understand my role now much better when I see it through teacher student yeah. versus coach client. Yeah, I feel more comfortable doing that. You know. So that was a bit of a tangent. Let's yeah, but there's some back. nice words. I use, like, well, I use coach because I feel like it's a lot better than personal trainer. Mm-hmm. So I feel like coach is more like... That phrase has fallen into disrepute. Fucking personal trainer. Everybody's a life coach or something. <laughs> so I feel like um, teacher, student, is a, it might be something that I, I might rob on you. But Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I robbed it from either portal, so... Did, did yeah. you find it? Did you find it like a bit... Ah, what's the word for it? I want to say cringy but it's not exactly it's yeah, very, did you it feel, did very you feel a bit pretentious yeah. but but you're right you know in yourself it's the right I know way. yeah I know um, it's true yeah it's the way it's, to describe it I know it that's what I'm actually trying to do yeah, it's not yeah. me trying to stand out for the sake of standing out yeah I am trying to teach people things yeah I, if they don't learn something from me like Kira's saying after six months I am not doing, doing I'm not wrong. doing my job yeah. that's just, that's that's the truth of it. Yeah, I can just imagine. You know? Yeah, now, same. it might take two years. Yeah. It might yeah. take five years. But you, they should be making some sort of mm-hmm. progress, progress personally, there. spiritually, mentally, whatever it is, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, sorry, yeah. let's get back to your uh, your journey there. Oh, I can't remember yeah. where we were. So, I suppose, actually, I, I kind of had, like, a, a relevant point that I found recently that I wanted to kind of tie into your story a little bit in that... I got back into the gym. I've been in and out of the gym all my life. Fucking five months on, six months off, two weeks in, three years off. You know what I mean? I'm just constantly. I always played football or whatever. I was active enough, but always and still do just eat shy. I'm terrible for it. Um, 
trying to be a bit better. But anyway, the the whole point was I got back into the gym, found that I love like boxing and uh, working out that way. So I used that as a, as a tool to just keep going, mm-hmm. going, 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 just going loads. Um, and then I went on holiday recently. Uh, week in Tenerife, <laughs> cocktails, oh. pizza, steak, the lot, <laughs> uh, proper and indulgent. And then I'm only back a week now. I've been back in the gym once, but that whole feeling of you're talking about breaking the the breaking the routine kind of mm-hmm. of what you're eating, um, and I'm finding it hard to break the routine now of eating after going on my week break. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm finding it hard to get that motivation back to go back to the gym. Um, so you're on the flip side. Now. I'm on the flip side, yeah. So so like, I've I, I I was in a great routine, loving it, really enjoying it, and then I'm back, and I've been back roughly a week, and I've been back to the gym once. Even though I've been finding myself wanting to go, I just haven't had the motivation to actually get up and just go. Yeah. And I can't. I'm still trying to understand why. Now I went back yesterday, loved it, and I'm like, yeah, deadly. Was going to go back today. Didn't really have the time. Um. But yeah, I'm kind of breaking back into routine. But what I wanted to tie in was, where did your routine break from restricting your food? Um, it's actually quite like what you're just describing there. It was a, it was actually a holiday. It was one of a six year holiday or something like that. And it was just for everybody else going on six year holiday. It was a drinking holiday. For me, it was a food holiday. It was like, what can we, eat? you know? Because <laughs> I didn't have anything. I didn't have my normal foods. Like. You know, I had, like, you have your set routine. You're taking something out of the freezer every single night for your dinner the next day. Like, you know what you're going to have each and every day. And it's fantastic and it works and you don't really have to do, like, I didn't have to do much. Hmm. It was just coming home from school, going to the gym, eating the exact same thing day in and day out. And it worked. And that's fantastic. But when you're put in a situation, which most people will be, where they go on a holiday or they're out with their friends on a night out or whatever it is, you're put in a situation where you don't know how to handle it. So if somebody, in my eyes now, if somebody doesn't have balance in their life, how do we expect someone to, to like yourself, go on holidays and cope with that and then come home and still be able to do what you were doing beforehand? Mm-hmm. Because if you were, like myself, up to the holiday, obviously not the same events, but let's just say restrictive enough that you're like, look, I'm going on a holiday, let's trim down a little bit, which most people do automatically straight away bad foods are gone because it's like quickest easiest way we know it works whatever but then when they go on holidays they're surrounded by them so that's all they're eating so then they come home they feel shit it was exactly how I felt but all I said to myself when I was away I was like it's grand like just eat whatever I'm gonna come home and I'm gonna go back into the gym and I'm gonna get back into my usual routine but it doesn't go that easy mm-hmm. it's not that easy to do you come home then you're like oh you've got a taste of it now you're after overindulging and all you want to do is eat the same foods. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to go back to chicken, rice and broccoli. I didn't want to go back to all the plain foods because I had got a taste of the decent, well, not the decent foods, but you know what I mean? The ones Taste that, food. Yeah, the tastier foods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I came home, it was like I had broke that routine and I tried my best to get back into it. I had no problem getting back into the gym because in a sense, that's a way of like coping with the fact that I'm eating so many calories. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. But it was the food aspect of it. It was like once you had broke the control aspect of it. So it's not just even now about food. It's like how we view control in a sense. So like that was like we already mentioned my control. So I had broke that then. And then I came home. I was trying to regain that control. But 
sometimes you just can't. Like sometimes I was just I was just mentally worn out that I couldn't get the control back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like it went from I forget the word because I'm I'm reading papers on it now, but there's different words for the type of control that I was using. So it's like this say it's external control but then it flipped to having like literally a loss of control around food but I'm not gonna say that it was just food Mm -hmm. it was my whole mentality loss of control Mm -hmm. so it's not just now about food so I think like speaking back to yourself Aaron like about obviously food and coming home from your holidays and stuff like that what I what I see with clients as well like even my own clients who are like that and they try and cut out foods certain foods before the holiday i'm like why are you going to do that because you're going to see all those foods and all your friends are going to be eating them so what are you going to eat there's not the best options on holidays mm-hmm. we already noticed so like what are you going to do over there mm-hmm. you can't starve you're going to have yeah. to eat them so you have to learn how to cope with eating them and not feeling so bad about eating it not feeling attached to it and understanding that you can come home and those foods don't have to be completely gone from your life. Because I think if people see it as like, as if it's running out. It's like, it's remember, all or nothing. yeah, remember when COVID first started and we all thought supplies were going to run out and we ran and we got all the tissues and everything <laughs> else and bread. When you think it's gone, you want it even more. Mm-hmm. So if people don't have a fear of like, that that food's not gone, if you come home and you're like, I can have a pizza on a Friday. Hmm. It might be the best option. But it, you can have it. Yeah. You're allowed it. And I think if people have that for you, it's a lot easier then for them to get back into it. Whereas if people now they're coming home to chicken, rice and broccoli, it's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Jesus, no, am I doing that? Okay, so I'd be interested in people like... Um, so some of the people I'm following, like say on Instagram and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And Now, it appears that they're they have it under control yeah and they 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 advocate strongly against any sort of processed sugar yeah you know they only eat grass-fed beef and all this stuff and it seems like a pretty perfect yeah setup and it seems like it's not like they can't be trusted and they're trying to sell a, a beach body program these are like people like doctors and yeah behavioral therapists and stuff like that and they've figured out a way that they don't really have a place for these foods in their life mm-hmm. so if they go on holidays it's like yeah i can just i don't have to partake like yeah. i can go out, uh, my friends go out drinking i can join them and not drink yeah i want to know why i can't do that with or why most of us can't do that with mm-hmm. fast food or going away on holidays and just like giving in because everyone else is yeah. no i can wait until i actually find a restaurant that that serves better food I don't have to go to that restaurant and eat yeah. that shit because I don't want to. Yeah. And I, I like I suppose I'd say there's a lot of things that come into play there. I don't think it's obviously just about food. I think it's okay, we have you have the likes of society pressure, your friends pressure, but put that aside, let's just say you can withstand that. Mm-hmm. Then it's like the awkwardness of like okay, my three friends go eat here and I'll go and eat a different restaurant. You have that coming into play. But then I think it's also a sense of People want it. Like people yeah, that's fair. people wanna go out and people actually do want to have a drink. Like okay. I'm someone who hates going out and hates drinking. But I have friends who when I'm out all they want to do is drink. You know? But then when you look 
past the drinking or the, the food or whatever else they're using I just think behind it is a lot of like learned behaviors psychology a lot more comes into play rather than just you shouldn't have that you know it's bad yeah I agree with that I can you know, relate to that 100%. Yeah. I've, I've literally had things in my hand saying, don't eat that. Yeah. And I eat it. <laughs> yeah. It's well, not as easy as just saying, no, don't have it. Yeah. There are definitely like emotional, psychological mm-hmm. factors at play there. But I think I, I would love to understand how, like I know it's possible because I've, I've, I've been, I've been there before. Mm-hmm. I've spoken about it before on the podcast where I've gone a year or more of not even craving uh, any foods because I know they didn't serve me but for some reason they snuck back in and like you were saying once you get a taste for it it's hard to but how like do you feel when you have them Um, I do feel some sort of guilt but mm. it's not guilt for body image it's guilt for this has no nutritional benefit to you whatsoever mm-hmm. you did not need that just to stop you on that though yeah so there would be people to say and it's, I definitely actually don't think like this Danny show the Danny Shum, this is probably what he'd say to you. Do you not like enjoy that flavour and take like enjoyment <laughs> from tasting that lovely yeah, taste? Yeah, but that's all. Yeah. So, so, so for me that trade off of okay, yeah, taste nice. Yeah. And you know, mouthfeel is one of the, the things that these marketing people work on is how does it feel when, when people eat it? Do they does it right. feel right? Yeah, okay. And it tastes the amount of salt. Uh, fat and sugar has to be balanced so they'll want more, more mm-hmm. yeah. so that's obviously a, it is a big part of it. it's like yeah this is oh, that's uh, that's what I wanted that taste is what I wanted I have it now but that's all it serves me for yeah. that moment and I know that I can transcend that moment if I just, just don't if I figure out the the combination for maybe it's just a length of time that you have to wait for your taste buds to change or something like that but I just I feel like I'm a slave to those these things now at the moment that I don't have control over. I, I have enough control that I'm not out of control. Yeah. But I still want them. Okay. And I can justify having them, it, whether it's training or mm-hmm. it's like ah sure it's only it's only an ice cream or it's only this or that. Yeah. But I don't want to want them. You don't want to want them. I'm the same. I don't want to want them, but. I definitely have some sort of trauma, some sort of fucking... I don't know what the hell is wrong with me, but like I used to eat everything as a kid. Yeah. I'd eat everything and anything. Any veg, anything. Now I won't touch any veg. Only recently I've started like not being picky about like tiny bits of onion and tomato yeah. and spaghetti bolognese. Like, <laughs> genuinely tiny little bits. And I'd be like... Ugh, and I'd be gagging. Me gag me. Yeah. Like, it's a texture of food. I don't know yeah. what it is, but with the texture of food, yeah. especially the likes of onions and crunchy things like that... Yeah. If I buy into it straight away, gag reflex, uh, mm. don't know what the hell's going on with me. Yeah. I've been like that for years, up until I was about 12, I'd eat anything. Since then, I can't. Not that I can't. No, I, see, I say I can't. I know I can. Yeah. But that there is something deep within me yeah. that, that happened, and I don't have a clue what it was. So if anyone's listening that can answer my question, <laughs> and can tell yeah, me if, if it's possible, out. help me out. But what, what would you say, Kira, like if, um, as, I if I came to you as a student, yes. and you're, you're now not... Don't treat me like my value system. Like, what would you say as an expert? Because I'm coming to you because you know. The um, crack. I suppose this is where I this is where me and Stephen differ I, a little bit, just a little bit. We're alike in so many ways, but we definitely differ on the the food side of things. Um, 
but it's not in a obviously it's not in a bad way um no. but what i mean is i suppose i'd be looking at someone then what you were describing to me i'd be like asking the questions of like okay are you a perfectionist would you consider yourself a perfectionist no no then i would look at the whole control aspect so for you it's not about food so you're all about your health and I would like to consider myself there. Like I can make the choices based on the fact that I value my health. Like now I could take or leave it. Sometimes I have it. Or let's say every week I have a takeaway or whatever it is. But I feel like I could take it or leave it. Right. Um, but then what you're describing is, yes, you're not feeling guilty about food in a sense or your body image. But it's that whole, you've broke it. You know this isn't serving you, but you've broke it. So, yes, it's not the guilt, I'm going to get fat. You don't have that because you understand food and you mm-hmm. know that that's not, that's not possible. But I think just what it sounds like, or if I was coaching you, I'd be like, I feel like it sounds more so like the broke it aspect gets you. Yeah. And then I never thought about you, that till now, but yeah, that, I, I would say that's pretty yeah. accurate. Like, it's just when, like, even reading, I suppose, some of the papers that I've been reading, it's definitely given me a a different outlook on control. So, like, I know for sure that you can see food food properly. You know what I mean? You don't have any issues around food, but it's more so the control aspect of, like, maybe it feels like you've let yourself down. Maybe it feels like you've went against your values. Yeah, that's it. It's like, I'm telling people how to be super healthy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm breaking my side of the agreement by having it. Yeah, by by now I know like it would be good for them to know that mm-hmm. that I'm just a human. Yeah, like them, you know. Absolutely. But it's something that I'm aiming at. Like I want to get to a place where I, I'm. I'm not bothered. By yeah, you're not bothered by it. No, like as in I'm not bothered by. Yeah, you have your ice cream there. I'm I'm okay. I don't want any. Cause I and I genuinely want to mean I don't want any. Yeah. Do you know what but I mean? You don't want you don't want to hide it. Like as in you like inside of you, you know you want it. No, no, I I want but, to be I want to inside to not want. Yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you want to get to the stage where like you're not actually lying. Yeah, in yeah. a sense, right. you know what I mean. Um, what? Aaron's <laughs> pissing himself no, no, laughing. No, I'm, not even, I'm not even pissing myself laughing. I'm just like it's. Go on, just go on. I can't even explain with her partner. I'll try after. No, but even what you were saying about food, Aaron. Like I think it's more so. It's more like it's, it's actually a lot more psychology than it is actually about the food, you know, and what's going on probably inside the body. But like I, I can hand on heart now, feet aren't crossed or anything. Um, say that if I was sitting in the car, let's say with Sinead, I she was getting an ice cream, I could say no to that because I've done it time and time again. Right. But that's because I allow myself those things. So it's not. It's not going out of fashion. It's always going to be there for me. Mm-hmm. But to you, it's probably like you can't have that because you're going to let yourself down. Yeah. You let yourself down. You're going to feel X, Y, and Z. And maybe you don't want to feel like that. And that's mainly where it comes from, control, because we don't want to look at other areas of our life. We don't want to feel certain emotions. You know, so I controlled everything as much as I could because I didn't want to feel anything else that was going so on is that me. is that cycle of... Don't have it, don't have it, don't have it, don't have it. Now you've had it, now you're a failure. 
now you've let yourself down, you're a fucking idiot, mm-hmm. you might as well go all the way now. Yeah. And then that cycle just keeps going. Is that what an eating disorder essentially is then? Or what you experience um, as? I, I'd probably, well, it depends on, obviously, I like I would have went from eating disorder to binge eating disorder. So it swung from one extreme to the other extreme where I was like, binging is not let's say extreme hunger so binging is like extreme hunger is like you come home from a full day of work and you're starving and you overeat like you overeat to the point you're let's say you're full but you keep eating that's not necessarily a binge because your body's been so hungry but binging is like I've had a full day of food I have a bowl of cereal and I have four more on top of that and then consciously consciously it's like like, when I used to be binging, it was like someone else was in my body. Okay. And I wasn't doing it. But did you know it was but happening? But I knew, I knew it was happening. Right. So, like, I'd be, I'd be like, oh, my God, why are you eating all this food? Don't go back to the press. But someone else was controlling my hands. Is, sorry, just the button. Is that kind of, would that be class as an eating disorder? Yeah. Oh, okay. You have an eating disorder? Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I ate some cheese puffs earlier, yeah. When I came in from work, I was like, if Steve see me eating these cheese puffs now, I shouldn't be eating these cheese puffs. What am I doing eating these cheese puffs? I still polished off the cheese puffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, see, I think there's, like, there is that, but then there's, like, obviously there's a lot more to, I suppose, binging, so we're not going to diagnose Aaron no, on this no, podcast. No, no, yeah, no, I just, I just wanted to know, I just wanted to know, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, go ahead, apologies. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's more, that's the difference between overeating. So we're going to say Aaron just overate earlier. Yeah, yeah. Whereas binging is like like an actual loss of control. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we want to describe it to, like, we can describe it to an addiction or something like that, but it was, a compulsion. you hide it. You know, it's a compulsion, you hide it, you're ashamed of it, you're guilty mm-hmm. about it. Um, and it, it, it genuinely feels like you can't stop it. And that's, I suppose, the worst part about it is that, you know, you shouldn't really do it. But I knew I shouldn't do it, not based on health. I knew I shouldn't do it because I was like, oh, fuck, this is about 3,000 calories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was every single day then it was like 3,000 calories. Wow. So like you're blown up to a bloom because you're so full, but you just keep going and you can't stop. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's tough. But I think, like, that, I suppose, what I'm describing is, yes, the the binge eating disorder and food and whatever else, but it comes back to then, oh, shit, I've let go of control. Everybody's going to know me now as this person who's put on weight. I've lost control inside, and then I'm thinking, okay, everybody's going to know I'm going to put on weight, and, like, what are they going to think? And, mm. you know, all these thoughts are going through your head. So, like, similar, not similar, but, like, as in what you're describing, like, I felt like a fraud. I was like, who am I to be a personal trainer yeah I'm binging every Mm -hmm. single night you know but I do think most trainers coaches teachers have issues with their food because we feel this sense of I don't know we have to be absolutely perfect you know you can't you can't give out that advice if you're not doing it Mm. but I think we can because I think we're human and I think when people start to have a bit of compassion with themselves, that's when it changes. And not like, fuck, you went against your values. Oh, shit, you've ate the food. You shouldn't have ate it. Do you think just non-judgmentally acknowledging that you've gone against your values is appropriate? 
So if I, so full disclosure, right? I, I chose to pull into Little on my way home from work last night. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like I was going to Little for groceries. Yeah. I was like, I want a box of cereal. I'm okay. pulling in, and I'm, I actually made the choice to go and do it. Yeah. And that was clearly like not my value system. Mm-hmm. So, luckily enough, I can kind of not too harshly see that and step away from it and say, okay, that was a bit of a blip there. Mm-hmm. Where did that happen? Let's see, can I make make sure that doesn't happen again? So, there's a difference between what you're saying, like, be nice to yourself and be compassionate and don't judge yourself. Mm-hmm. And then completely letting yourself off the hook just because you're being compassionate. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's first compassion, but I think when when you're, I suppose, doing an action like that, first compassion also looks like, why did that happen? Mm. How was your day? How was your emotions? Yeah. You know, what, like, even when I worked in Westside, like, like, training someone, like, from one end of the day to the to next is tiring. You know, and it's a lot on, the, I think, on your mental ability or whatever we want to call it. Um, yeah. I just think it's a lot to keep up and I think sometimes food and tiredness and stress and whatever emotion you may be feeling, food is just a way of coping. Yeah. So I think first compassion is not always like, oh yeah, sit on the couch and eat that box of cereal. You know, first compassion is like, right, let's get to the root of this. Why did it happen? Not. Mm not necessarily in my eyes this shouldn't happen again yeah it's like let's figure out why if we figure out the why we can get the root of it and we can possibly change it nice like i i actually similar enough i bought a box of cereal in little and it's like those um you know those chocolate pillows that's <laughs> how they're absolutely beautiful right yeah. absolutely beautiful and i remember a time when i was binging and i went to aldi and i was like no, no, I'm fine. And I bought a box of um, cinnamon crunch or whatever it was. I don't know, ate the whole box. But with the chocolate puffs, it was like, I let's say I poured out like 100 grams or whatever. It was like 500 calories. And I was like, Jesus. But at no point, because I'd given myself enough and I've done the work and whatever, as much as I was like, they're gorgeous, there was no part of me that was like, you should go back for more. Okay. And that was like, and that was only actually a couple of weeks ago. And that was like a point for me that I was like, wow, you've made it. Like that is freedom for me in with regards to food. Because there was no urge. There was no second guessing myself. There was no, fuck, that's 500 calories. Like, yeah. should I have wasted it on that? It was like, oh, you enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, so that's what you're talking about, Aaron. Like, yeah, so that's my, yeah. I feel like where I, well, I obviously differ a lot from you, but you're so absolute in the way you talk about it, like that you, you can't have it, you don't want to want to have it. And I feel like that's quite extreme. Whereas I'd side on Kira's side of things of where, like once in a blue moon, having a bowl of cereal. Like, did you go home and eat a full box of cereal? No, I had like two or three bowls. Yeah, like, but when's the next time I know, you're going to yeah. do that? I know, what, I know what you're saying. I don't mean to sound but like what? I'm trying to preach no, to no, you either, because you're clearly <laughs> in a better place than I, I am. I totally but, get you. Yeah. And like, I, I I think most people would even say that. They would mm. even say, would you give yourself a fucking break? It's two balls of cereal. Relax, yeah. man. Um, 
maybe I, I, I definitely need to do kind of a bit more work on it and like look into why I want this and is it actually mm. necessary for why I want it so one of my big kind of long term goals obviously it's, it has to be long term if I'm talking about living to 100 years old that's what you want so I want to f- like do everything I can mm-hmm. to live as long as I can as healthily as I can some people will say what do you want to live to 104 you're going to be sick and you know can't move anymore. that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about living to 90 plus and being still being able to move still being able to you know go out for yeah. a walk on the beach or mm-hmm. you know something like that yeah, well, that's and how you do that is you have to start now and start yeah. like you can't afford well as far as I can tell you, you can't afford to be thrown away like little pleasures like that mm-hmm. um, even if they are only a, yeah. a, a bowl of cereal or only a chocolate bar let me day. just counter that now right? I, I fucking fully admire that goal like and it's how many people get to do it and I hope you do get to achieve it. But some people, not necessarily I would say, but some people would say, is life worth living that long if you have to deny yourself them small pleasures in life? That, uh, the the right. pleasure of that. That's a good serial, question. Like. And I think I can, I'm hanging on faith here that this is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I, do, I think you can get to a place where you don't want it. So mm-hmm. you're not denying yourself it. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know I what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Like I, can, 100%. like I said, I can go out drinking, or I can go and not drink now and mm. not feel like I'm missing out. You don't care at all. I'm not saying, yeah. oh, I want to live to 100 so I can't drink. Yeah. It just doesn't come into the equation. Yeah, no, I get you. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good answer to, to the question I'm saying, yeah. It's a good argument as yeah. well, to be fair. Yeah. A lot of people would say that, well, what's the point of living yeah. to 100 if you can't yeah. enjoy it? And from but what is worth from the conversation as well, I feel like you hold yourself so accountable and you don't want to let down your, your students I think that that must play a massive part it does, as yeah, well. Yeah. That's the way I'd see it. Yeah. From what I've heard, it does come into it. But it, it, if I'm really honest, it's just it's purely personal. It's like you, you want to hold yourself at a high standard, mm-hmm. and you're not there yet. I'm I'm not saying you're a fucking failure. I'm saying yeah, yeah. there's still work to do. Right. Even now, even twelve, thirteen years in, there's you're still learning this. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I think those high standards, so are what sometimes set us up to fail. Because you're only human and yes, you might get to that point where you don't have, you don't want these foods, you don't deny yourself these, that's not even a thought anymore. But there's always going to be something else to hold yourself to those high standards to. And what happens when you fall short? Because you will. And I think anybody that we watch on Instagram and preaches whatever, it's one I've lived it. I've preached it before, and I was binging on the other end of it. You know, so all these people can talk and have all the education and stuff like that. But we all are human, and we all feel emotions. And I think if we just look at psychology in general, um, for like Aaron, obviously he's like, okay, I think I would more so go down the route of what I'm saying. But my goal with you, let's say, would be to get you to a point where he's looking to get where you don't have to question yourself anymore you've had them you know what they taste like you can have if you can if you know you can have them i genuinely don't think you'll want them as much anymore yeah but to that be, restriction to be fair to be fair yeah I get, I get what you're saying sorry i'm making it too personal in that you were using me as an example but i can say no to things um 
I don't often choose to, but I, like mm-hmm. there's periods where I go through and I know I have that willpower, and then sometimes I'm just like, oh, fuck it. And I think that's in me laid back personality anyway. But I think my main problem is that I don't get enough healthy food. Yeah. Because I have this thing with textures and I can't, I just can't get myself to chew on them. I just can't mm. do it. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's definitely something, it's definitely something psychological. 100%. Absolutely. I just don't understand what it is or, and I can't find the, the, the bottom of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would, I would actually say that definitely is. There's been people I've worked with though who can't eat. Like, are like, I don't like vegetables. <laughs> I don't like fruit and I don't like crunchy textures and stuff mm-hmm. like for the most part, I do my best to work around it, but then sometimes it's just like you're an adult. Please yeah, eat some vegetables. Please. Yeah, you're dead right. You're dead <laughs> no, but right. it is. It's not just you're like right. something right. to be like. There is a time and a place where it's like, okay, right, you're an adult. You need to really just eat something. But then I think there is sometimes just worth actually, if there is any like trauma, PTSD going on there with food. Yeah, there has to be somewhere. I just. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a minefield and like at some stage I don't know I, I do it I do it kind of in my with the clinic stuff that I do like the neuromuscular stuff I did it on the other day where I had to say look I can't I can't help you with this because mm. this is outside my scope yeah. even though you know they came to me because they trust me or whatever and that's why they trust me because I'm willing to say no I can't touch you mm-hmm. I'm not licensed or insured or like that you need yeah. to go to this person so at that stage where there is trauma um that has to be like a hard thing i don't know if you've come across it yet but yeah i think with like obviously people coming to me because of my journey like i'm not qualified to eat with or to eat with you hear me um <laughs> i'm not qualified to deal with eating disorders yeah. you know or binge yeah. eating disorders that's not like that is not in my scope whatsoever but for me what worked for me was therapy alongside coaching but not coaching in the sense of telling you what to eat coaching in like around your relationship food with education food. Yeah. yeah food education and like I suppose balance and whatever else like that worked for me so anyone who has come to me that is like literally admitting to me that they have an eating disorder I'm like okay you you need to go see an actual probably therapist before mm. you come to me mm. where would people find help like that like is there a particular body or um i think there actually is i think there's a um a website i think it could have been like what's a body first i'll definitely get the name for you so you can put yeah, it in send the that notes. to me and i'll put it in the notes yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put um it but i think for me like when i referred i referred a client to and it was literally just my old therapist so that was pretty easy would you recommend your your old therapist i would yeah. Yeah. want to give them a plug as well or? brilliant yes siobhan i'll i'll put her down yeah, she can go in the show notes. We'll put Siobhan in the notes, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's pivot to yes. CrossFit. Pivot. Oh, here we are. Yes. So you found CrossFit when? Last year? Um, Last year, yes. Okay. Um, I would have... Sorry, did you have another question there? No, nope, go for it. Let's hear, let's hear the, um, the journey. So I would have still probably... I was, I was actually being coached at the at the, this time so last this time last year when I would have left Westside and found CrossFit um around my whole like relationship with food and just my body image and stuff like that when I worked in Westside my body image wouldn't have been the best like even though I like I was coaching people to in a sense I probably did back then as well still feel like a fraud because I was like I don't feel 100% comfortable in myself um but I also think that is okay to not be 100% comfortable in your body and be working on it 
that's one of the things. That, sorry to cut across no, you, you're fine. but this is important. Like anyone that knows you, and that would have known you last year in Westside, never would have said that you were uncomfortable in your skin. Yeah. Because to look at you, it would be like, oh, she clearly trains hard. Mm. She clearly eats well. Yeah. But nobody would have. So you just never know who has. No, you never know. These issues. And I think, do you know what though? I wasn't actually still, like I wasn't dealing with anything then. There was no like, there was no binges. There was no like restrictiveness. It was just more so, I was just going through a period in my life where I was like maybe eating, maybe not eating, you know. Um, and I just felt like for me to go through everything that I went through, I had to put on weight. So I felt like I was still coming out the other side of that. Like okay. I had still had what I thought was still a decent amount of weight. I mean, not loads, like, so don't anybody take me up like that. Um, but it wasn't loads of weight or anything like that. It was just my own comfort. Yet. Yeah, it didn't it didn't feel good for me, basically. Um, but then I found, obviously, left when I left Westside, I found CrossFit. And CrossFit is definitely 100% one thing that helped me move away from my body image, in a sense, and shift to performance and brilliant letting go of that you know trying to control and doing three sets and there's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with doing three sets of 10 reps and like that's even how I coach some of my clients but that just stopped working for me and it got to the point where it was still bring, bringing back that like trying to control mm. trying to control how my body looks and everything else whereas when you shift to CrossFit it's like that doesn't matter up there. It's like, how fast can you run? How fast can you get these 10 burpees finished? And all of a sudden I felt out of my depth. I was like, oh my God. Even up there, I was like, I'm a trainer and I cannot finish this workout. Yeah. That's what I got briefly into CrossFit. Yeah. Maybe 2019, 2018, 2019. And I couldn't do five burpees without getting gassed out. Crazy. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. You should be able, you should be doing these all day, mm-hmm. and no problem. Couldn't run, couldn't do anything over ten reps without getting gassed. Out. I was doing slow powerlifter shit, yeah. and uh, yeah, it just didn't make sense that my body couldn't do things. Yeah, and like if you fast forward to now, and what I've learned, and what my body can do, and you know I'm loving what I do now with the flow stuff and the movement stuff. It's vastly different, but. CrossFit was the catalyst. It was like it yeah. shows you what's missing, or any. I suppose anything would do that. Yeah. Anything functional like that. I do think people should be able to do more than one thing. Like, yeah, you shouldn't be just a good powerlifter. Yeah, I feel like. You, what you, use is that if you can't yeah. run for the bus? Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's crazy. Or go up the stairs without being out breath and stuff. But I mean, I suppose it, yeah, it all matters on people's what they value and stuff. But for me, it was like you said, a catalyst for change, you know, and now fast forward a year later, I'm like, I just don't like I've went on two holidays. There's never been a thought that's like, I need to diet for this. I need to look a certain way. I need to do anything. Um, Say that again. Cause that's going to be something that people need to hear. Okay. You went, you just went on holidays. Yes. Yeah. And there was never a thought that was like, you need to diet, you need to look a certain way yeah. or be any way leaner than what I was. Okay. And that was so huge. Just to clarify why I want you to say that again, mm-hmm. that 
like that's what people can aim for that that's yeah. a possibility that you can put on a bikini or a swimsuit and say i'm all right yeah. I'm, I'm i'm cool i'm feeling good yeah you know i'm not super lean or shredded but i'm comfortable mm-hmm. and i'm gonna enjoy my holiday and i don't care yeah i think that's that's i think if people actually boil it down that's what they want yeah i think it's 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 well it's how everybody feels in themselves but for me it was just a huge stepping stone from compared to my last holiday three years ago where it was like binge central to now going on holidays not occurring the world not doing anything extra not trying any harder to look any certain way and then when I was over there to be able to take or leave it with food was just like I can't actually explain it it just felt like one of those moments with the cereal that I had made it mm-hmm. and yeah I just I wouldn't change it for the world nice yeah it's a massive achievement coming from where you came from to, yeah, to being yeah. at that mind state it's 100%. very impressive yeah pretty nice yeah. feeling so I suppose anybody who is out there who may be battling with the same or doesn't even have to be the extremes like myself it can just be um not feeling super comfortable in yourself or not having the best body image mm. you can absolutely work on it and you can absolutely get to a stage where you're feeling good in yourself you mm. know and you don't want to keep changing it yeah that's a great message mm. um so let's go back to crossfit you're up in rf rob yes. flanagan's place yes rob flanagan. shout out to the lads um <laughs> Hopefully get a couple of them on the podcast actually soon enough. So we'll chat to them. But um Oh I forgot as well. Huh? Sorry, Tyg said yeah. Oh brilliant. Tyg so, Lawless, let's go. Let's yeah, it. he let's said you. he'd come on. Deadly. Um yeah, that'd be a good one. But um yeah, well speaking of Tyg, let's talk about the atmosphere and the vibe that's up there with <laughs> the kind of beasts up there like that. Um What does that do for your, your training? I think everything. I think when like I suppose they're up there. Well, most of them coach the classes and anyways, like um, Rob, Dano, Tyg, they all coach the class. But the atmosphere in general, like let's even, if, even if we're not, if we take the lads out of it and it, this was just a, maybe a CrossFit environment, mm. the classes do absolute wonders. Like pushes you to no water. Like I didn't even, well, I do have a competitive side, but like up there, it's like, oh hell I'm going hell for leather here now because you can see someone in the corner of your eye you're like let's go but it's only in a it's never in like a a, a A malicious way way or a bitchy way it's always in like everyone wants you to be better you know so if someone finishes before you it's like come on Kira let's go yeah um that was something I'd never ever done before like that was I always trained by myself or trained with one person and it was never ever like that Mm. I think it's I think CrossFit's a little bit addictive. Paul Ryan spoke about that when he was on with us. He said, uh, "You know, it's great being in a gym full of sharks because everybody yeah. just works. And if you see someone getting ahead of you, yeah, you don't want them. You don't want that bad to happen to them because they're working hard. You just want to be able to keep up. And absolutely, say, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, that that's a nice place to be where everyone. I've actually noticed that." It, with CrossFit mm. in particular that there's a moment in 2019 CrossFit Games in the women's events mm. where Tia Toomey fittest woman in the world finished her event and went back to someone who she was competing against only 30 seconds ago yeah. who was struggling with the event walked back stood beside her for the rest of the whole event and coached her to the finish line 
Wow. <laughs> I'm getting emotional about that now. Yeah. Like that is, it's amazing. I, I've never shivers. seen that in any other sport where someone who is a competitor mm-hmm. is willing to go and help you get ahead. Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, she won the, the yeah, event, yeah. so she had nothing to lose at that stage. But even that still, stage, yeah, she could yeah. have said, no, I'm, I'm stone yeah. cold. I'm not going to make anybody think I'm weak or I'm like that. But she mm. said, no, I'm going to help. And I'm... I think it's great. It's a great environment. It's a great culture, I think. Um, so, favourite workout so far? Favourite workout? Oh, um, I actually just got, I got sick recently um, doing, what was it? Fran? Oh, fuck. Fran, yeah. it was Fran. And it, like, I felt fine after. And I wouldn't even mind, like, my time compared to half of these lads and girls up there was nothing. It was fine. Like, but I mean, I was like, Grand, I was chatting to Rob after it, and next of all, I was like, Oh, so Fran, just Fran, just gonna say, but no, so Fran, Fran is notorious. Go on, the tell, him, Fran? tell him what Sorry, Fran is. Fran is um, 21, 15, 9, trusters, and chest bar. Yeah, sorry, so we'll do that is right. we, get a, we get a little YouTube video of Fran, yeah, we get a YouTube the, video of Fran, but, but yeah, just Fran is nasty. Just for reference, 21 reps, of trusters, chest to bar, 15 reps of each of those, and then nine. There was people up there getting that in 2.14. That was Rob's time, I think, 2.16, sorry, Rob's time was. I also heard someone else got it in 1.58. Fucking hell. Now, my time was obviously not as good as that, but mine was 5.45. Not bad. And that was, like, dropping the bar, picking it back up. Like, and that's that the hardest time part. It? Yeah. First time doing it, so it wasn't actually yeah, bad. I think mine was like four or something, so you're, you're doing, you're doing well. When you get to meet Fran, I died. think. I See what time yeah. I get with Fran. Fran's I'll probably die, like, take a no. banger, but sure look. <laughs> yeah. It's next level. So that was probably one of the faves I've done so far. Okay, so let's, uh, we put us some misconceptions to bed here. Yes. So CrossFit is not always about fast or finishing a workout as quick as you can. No. There's a lot of strength involved. Um, there's gymnastics involved. Yes. There's um, general like long, steady state uh, cardio, like a, like a long row or stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, for all intents and purposes, I think CrossFit is quite a complete um, culture or, or or a complete sort of way to train. The only issue I have is there's no there's there's only one plane of motion. So if, just for the the movement nerds out there, it's only in the the sagittal plane. So there's nothing to the side or rotation, but you know, you can you can say that about a lot of things, but I yeah. love I love CrossFit. I think it's a great um it's a great place to be, like you said, culturally, like mm-hmm. in the environment and it's everybody's quite positive about it. Everyone just wants to do well. Yeah. And it's like a team. Yeah, it's it's more like see that's the thing is that even Sinead who's come up with me now, um, and is training ORF as well, she's like she's not used to it. She's always used to team sports, so like football and gar and whatever else and she is always describing it like I've never been in like you know where it's all in your own head because it is like it in a sense it's a team but it's in your own head like you're battling with yourself to not stop to mm. keep going but in a sense it's still team as well because everybody wants you to do well but it's like that thing that you're describing about the games like Tia made sure she was finished first before she went back yeah, yeah. and that's the same in CrossFit like very rarely will you stop your own workout and start helping someone else but Everybody does want to see you do well. Yeah. You know, so it, it is a, it is a team sport and it's never like, I've never experienced any bitchiness or anything like that with it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. 
Cool. Any particular targets you're trying to hit? Yeah, at the moment, actually, while you were saying that, obviously, I feel like CrossFit is definitely an all-rounder. Um, I thought it was more so, like, when I first joined, I was like, oh, it's all about how fit you are and stuff. And don't get me wrong, that plays a part, but you get fit up there. But then it's more complex than that. Like, it's there's so many complex movements in it that I have never touched, never learned before. So, at the moment, um, I'm doing handstand push-ups. Really nice. proud. Um, I'm also... I got my first banded muscle up. Nice. No, it w- was not the nicest one, but yeah, muscle up. No joke, band or no band. Yeah, so I, I feel like there's a few little basics that I need to nail first, which you probably know yourself. Just the the chest to bar is the toes to bar. Nail them first before I go near something like a, a muscle up. Yeah, it's a very complex movement. Good for you, because a lot yeah. of people wouldn't have that patience. They'd be like, "What is the quickest way for me to get a muscle up?" I know, and it, it does get like that though because yeah. you're watching everyone else around you doing it. Like, well, you have to, you have to pay, you have to pay the rent, you and have to I'm earn like, that. Oh, I have to wait. I'm like, I'm a year in now. Come on! But that's why I think CrossFit maybe got a bad name first when it came out, like when it started getting popular. Actually, I don't know if I'm talking out of turn here, but Rod Flanagan, as far as I know, was one of the first people in Ireland to really realise what CrossFit was and how big it was going to be. Yeah, I think I asked him about that, and I think he, I think he did actually. I think he might have said he was the first. Yeah, no, we gotta, we have to talk to Rob about that. Yeah, because that's, that's a if he did, if that's true, like that's massive. But anyway, um, what was I saying there? About getting a bad name. Oh yeah, because yeah. people were doing that. They were like, okay, I want to learn how to do a clean and jerk, so they're just throwing barbells around without realizing. No, this is a really, really technical thing. Yeah, it and is. There's a lot to it. Yeah. And you have to pay, you know, you have to pay your way into it by learning the technique, learning the good deadlift, mm-hmm. learning proper mechanics and stuff like that, you know, and starting from the ground up. You can't just jump in. And, yeah, you can't. And that's why Even if you injured. wanted to, you wouldn't be able to. Do you yeah, know what I mean? So but I think people I... can get away with it. They, yeah. they do have, they, like, they might get a year or two out of it and then they're getting injured and, and it's like, oh, what happened? Oh, I do CrossFit. No, you do shit CrossFit. Yeah. You don't do it well. But like I couldn't even do like I never went near no I did actually in the classes but only when it was like obviously supervised and whatever but as for learning a snatch like I've been in a year now and I'm only learning it now because I'm getting coached how to do it you know so I've actually went to someone to coach me through how to snatch Mm -hmm. how to squat snatch because it's such a complex movement whereas yeah you're probably right everything else I could with the barbell I could probably get away with Mm. um but I think when you're watching other people, I'm very much, when I'm up there, I'm like watching everyone else. I'm like, how are they doing it? And I just feel like I absorb that very quickly. So I'm like, okay, I'll try it this way. Yeah. Do you think that's part of the culture? Yeah. That Like if if you're not doing that, you're probably not going to like CrossFit. Like if you're not in there, like trying to sponge up everything, like, um, like are there people who just kind of go in and take the box and fuck off? Yeah. Like? Right. Yeah, there's definitely people who still just go in, you know, just want that sweat from a class. Um, but I just think it's like from all of the people that I've met from all of the different classes that I've done, everybody is progressing within the movements. So although, yes, they might run in the door and run out the door, they're still trying within the class. They mightn't be sitting back like, say, how I am because I'm like, I need to learn everything. Right. But they're still absorbing certain t- things that they say they haven't got and they want to learn. Cool. You know, so that's that's a nice it's a nice environment to be in. Deadly. 
Um, what about um, business wise? What's is on the horizon? Are you just going to stick with um, how it's going till you finish college? And I'm finishing college. I actually had that thought this morning of like, what am I doing after college? <laughs> um, but this is why I suppose my full time job, and I think it it is morphing. I suppose into my career. Like she was, I was in college today, and she was talking about like going for like job interviews and all like for corporate work and I was like hell to the no am I doing that <laughs> um and yeah so I just think that this is actually starting to be my career now I don't know where I'm gonna be um but I think with these talks coming up this has obviously helped um but I'm hoping that obviously public speaking becomes a, a forte to me Good. um so that might be where yeah, I don't end up talk about the talks what oh doing. yeah sorry so that's what one of the talks sorry I've, I've a talk next week with um a bunch of six years which is different but mm. um a girl messaged me asked me did i want to come down and speak to her six years because she's seen my story about me being so nervous about going to edinburgh and speaking in front of like when i go to edinburgh i'm going to be speaking in front of all the biggest coaches or all the biggest coaches in my eyes wow. to me like the people that i'd look up to and then coaches who are from Ireland or from England or whatever. And that to me is daunting because I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, when you feel scared about something, you know that you're out of your comfort zone. So I'm like feeling just very, very nervous about it. So, um, you should be though. Yeah. It's exactly how I should feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she just invited me down to kind of get me prepared as such. Very good. Um, so yeah, those two are next week and just a slight, Fun. Nerves are good. Nerves are good. If you, if you weren't nervous, you you probably wouldn't care. So yeah, it's yeah, good that you're yeah, absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Well, best of luck with the talks. Yeah. Thank you. And the business and college. Yes. And it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for sharing for your story. Me. Yeah. It's very important. Really appreciate um, it being open and vulnerable. So thanks very much. Of course. And yeah, I hope someone gets something from this, which I think they will. Absolutely. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. All right, guys, we're out. Thanks for listening. Peace.